Okay, gang, this is part two of the interview with Margie Smith. You're going to learn more about what she started to put together. And of course, we have an arrest eventually. But uh, this is a very good background on what was going on in Visalia during the Visalia ransacker days. Hope you enjoy. The things he was taking were not of value. He would take coins. He would take piggy banks. He would break piggy banks. He would take pictures of young girls. He would uh, destroy pictures of, you know, he would tear them or he would take them. But he, you know, I mean, he was just, and he would ransack, throwing stuff around. He would line girls' underwear or men's underwear down the hallway. He would uh, tear apart a padded bra. Um, He would put underwear on a pillow. He would put a $100 bill. He would put a $100 bill in a baby crib. I mean, he was just doing bizarre, bizarre, bizarre things. He would put um, bottles, you know, like uh, perfume bottles on top of door knobs. He would take the screen off a window and lay it down on a bed. Now with Claude Snelling, he took the screen out of that window in September of 75 and he took it across the street and put it up on top of the neighbor's um, travel trailer. So he would always have you know, two methods of getting out of the house. Right. He would open up a window and he would, you know, there would be another door, you know, so he would, he was very conscientious. He never got caught. These would happen in the evening. And the day of, this is kind of a strange thing. I never put it together. Someone else did. The day of Jennifer Lynn Armour's funeral, He broke into 11 houses within a three-hour period in two different quadrants and ransacked. He was a busy boy. I mean, we're talking We're talking ransacking. Yeah, this is not inconsistent, by the way, with this same pattern of the rapes where he seemed to, he always seemed to have a plan B and a plan C. So if one, if, if target A somehow went wrong he could spin off quickly to target b that he could do multiple crimes back to back to back like i keep thinking when did this man sleep i don't even know clearly he's one of these people that doesn't need to sleep yeah um i don't know what the observations look like over at the county jail but he doesn't sleep he just he's he's so driven yeah so to do 11 crimes during a funeral yeah that was the day okay her funeral it was november 30th of 74 now mind you he's cop okay september i mean excuse me november 30th it is i believe the weekend of thanksgiving if i'm not mistaken but two different quadrants uh the beverly glenn quadrant and also the quadrant that is south of Mount Whitney High School, 11 houses. And my whole thought was, is he on bicycle? Is he in a car? How did he know no one was going to be home in those 11 houses? I know, yeah. Yeah, and Jennifer is, was not from this 
uh, Beverly Glen area. She lived out um, west of town, you know, maybe a mile west of Mooney Boulevard. So she wasn't, you know, it's not like all the neighbors here knew Jennifer Lynn Armour. No, no, not at all. And so what was the link? Was he aware that that was her, you know, her, her funeral day? Was that some sort of a reaction? Anyway, so um, then in after, you know, talking to Russ and I knew who Archangel was, you know, we had conversed and, and emailed by, I think by then I knew how to email. We had, and then I had a friend who was the head of the Oakland lab and through him, I, he was going to, he wanted to introduce me to Paul Holes. So in the year 2005, I took the train up to Martinez and Russ and Archangel, and I can't give his real name, and uh -huh. my friend who was the Oakland lab person, head of the Oakland lab, Paul, and I met at this golf course. And so at that time, I ran my person of interest. You know, I ran his name past Paul, and I said, he's in prison. Could you run his DNA to see if he is the East Area Rapist? And because, okay, so anyway, I wait, 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 you know, and it's maybe six months later, Paul said, he's not the East Area Rapist. Well, I know what Paul, when he talks about the disappointment when you are so hung up on one person, and you find out that one person isn't it, and mm -hmm. you go, no, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. <laughs> I know it is, I know it is. And that's how I felt. It was like, you've got to be kidding. Well, then obviously he was able to slip someone else's DNA, you know, when they were testing him at the prison. My mind was just not accepting it. But I didn't give up. And then I remembered back in 1973, something happened. And now I'm going to tell you, going back on my timeline, see where it says, uh -huh. suitcase full of jewelry? Suitcase full of jewelry. Yep. Okay. Third one down. Okay. It was in 1973, I have friends that bought a house, 511 South Church. It has since been put into the historical preservation area. But at that point, it was just this horrible, horrible house that needed a lot of work. And they, they had moved in, they were getting, they just bought it. And she said, she wanted to show it, you know, I, I got to go see the house before they moved in. So downstairs, this, I mean, this house had been built in the 1800s. The floors were um, wood right on top of dirt on the, yeah. the ground floor. And then you went upstairs and that would be where your parlor was and, and the front room and a couple of bedrooms in the bathroom. Okay. So downstairs, <clears throat> I'm looking around in this, what we, I don't even know that you could call it a kitchen. It had a sink and a small counter and nothing, nothing else. And it was all empty. And there was this, you know, those cardboard suitcases that are beige that have stripes. Yeah, kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. The okay. Whole they're, yeah, those they're, old, they're, they're very 40s. Yeah, like kind of. Yeah. yeah. There was one of those on the ground 
and I'm going to call it ground, not floor, because it was horrible. Anyway, and I opened it up, and it was filled with weird pieces of jewelry, like costume stuff. And I, I, I didn't rifle through it. I closed it, and I went, that's weird. And so then, oh, and there was a pot plant growing in a toilet downstairs. And then up, <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Clever. I never thought of that. Okay. Okay. And so then upstairs, there, well, the toilet was empty. It was an empty toilet. So then upstairs yeah. in the bathroom, there was evidence that a fellow was living there as a hermit. And he, he had, I don't know drugs because I never did them. But anyway, there are pills in the medicine cabinet. And my friend knew that they had to do with schizophrenia and they were really strong. And he would, whoever this was, well, I knew who it was, but anyway, he was cooking on a little Bunsen burner and then he had a sleeping uh-huh. bag. And so he was living there as a hermit and he had borrowed water from the neighbor. You know, there was a hose going from the neighbor's yard, but there was no electricity, no gas or anything. So he was living there as a hermit. And I found out who he was. And so then when I was conversing in 75 with my friend on Redwood, she was telling me what the Visalia ransacker would take. And she mentioned odd pieces of jewelry. So at that point, and that had to have been in 76 probably, when she had, it was either 75 or 76. It's when the cops, no, it was 75. The cops were in her kitchen and she was telling me, well, he, he takes like one earring, he does this, that, everything else. I remember calling it into the police department and giving his name. And I said, you might want to look at him as a Visalia ransacker because I found this suitcase full of weird jewelry. And it was a hotline, you know, a tip line, hot tip mm-hmm. line. Yeah, tip line. Yeah. And so that would have been in 76. Never heard anything from anybody. Never again. And until they cleared my neighbor here in 84, r- right after that, I remembered the jewelry. And I started looking at my second person of interest. So... I'm still, you know, I was still working on this. Okay, so you can see down, I'm on the first page, cleared my person of interest, hard to believe. Um, There are now two pro boards. Uh, The AE website is gone. It's no longer there. They shut it down. You can still go onto the website. That's EAR slash ONS, where you hear his voice. And you have all the, all the, oh, I hate, oh, I hate that. And so now I'm on the two pro boards talking to different people and my, I stuck by the Visalia ransacker murdered, you know, VR equals EAR slash ONS. That was how I referred to, you know, this whole series. And I kept blah, blah, blahing that our Visalia ransacker was the East Area Rapist. He murdered Jennifer. He murdered Donna. He would have murdered Beth. He would have murdered uh, the girl that, you know, was 
being stalked where McGowan's flashlight was shot out. Okay, yeah, so now. That's right. Yep. So I'm being, everything I am reading, um, have you ever heard of the um, podcast 122675? Have you ever heard I of haven't. that? No. Okay. Well, there are two people from down south that they were reading everything I was putting on the pro board and they thought this poor girl is getting nowhere and no one is listening to her. They had no connection, even though their last name is my middle name, but anyway, they have no connection and they contacted me. And so I started communicating, emailing back and forth with them. And eventually they came up to Visalia and they put, I gave them boxes and boxes of paperwork. They took everything I had, all my newspapers and all, and they scanned everything. And wow. occasionally I would go down and, you know, I'd work at the library or over at the card house and, and send them in more information. But they started helping me and they are attorneys and they have, I, it was an answer to prayer because I, I could do no more. You know, I was getting nowhere. I had, yeah. I had gone to our Ron Couillard, our district attorney years ago. I had met with Cummings, who is the cold case investigator right now on the Visalia Ransacker. I had met with him. Um, I had met many, many people, you know, over this whole thing, but they took over. And in the meantime, I had over the years, kept in contact with Oscar Clifton's brother in Lindsay. He passed away. And then I kept in contact with Oscar Clifton's wife and she lived up uh, north near Sacramento. So I got all of his paperwork, all of it uh, from his trial transcripts, uh, his attorney's, notes. I got 13 boxes of paperwork and gave it to these attorneys who went through it with a fine tooth comb. And they have always focused on Donna Richmond and Jennifer Lynn Armour's case. And so if anyone listens to this and wants to, I mean, it's really hard. The first eight are reading the court transcripts to just kind of give you a background of Donna Richmond's case. So they, their whole focus is Donna Richmond. My whole focus was if I saw a ransacker. I couldn't go any further and I don't have the brains that they have. I don't know the legalities that they have, but they eventually met John Vaughn, who was the head of the investigation on the Visalia ransacker and they have worked diligently with him. They have met our cold case, Dempsey and Johnson over at the Visalia, I mean, the Sheriff's Department who, uh, there is so much more and I, I, okay, at this point, all I'm gonna say, they took over the case and now they're, they, they are finding more and more and more to link our friend 
to Donna Richmond. Um, but Oscar has been in prison this whole He died. Time. He died in prison. Oh. He ended wow. up with cancer. The whole time he maintained his innocence, even though he was told, he, I, I mean, re, I remember I was writing letters, you know, once a year or when he would have an appeal or something, he would send yeah. me all this stuff. He, he said, if all I have to do is say that I am sorry and show remorse and I can get out. And he wouldn't do it. He would never do it. He said, I didn't do it. I can't live with that. I can't live saying I did something I didn't do. And I mean, I had the letters. I Well, now the attorneys have those letters. Um, they're so, it, just off, I mean, just Donna's case could be another complete 10 podcast. Well, they have 35 podcasts on it right now. So it, it's, it's, a 10, it, it's called, tw- tell me the name of the podcast okay, again. Okay. It's all numbers. One, yeah. two, dash, two, six, dash, seven, five. And they also have a website, you know, www, yeah. the same thing, 12, 26, 75. That's the day Donna was murdered. December okay, 2675. And, um, and, and in the case of Oscar, so yep, this makes me sick because I think if you take the step back again, which I, I tend to look at this in the whole, there's so many lives this man has ruined. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't. Yep. I really have been struggling with the idea of justice lately. I've been struggling with it so hard because <laughs> what, is, what is justice, right? Yeah, you mm. laugh. I, I like mm. your laugh almost sounded crazy because that's how I feel. I'm like, yeah, there, justice yeah. is one mercurial bitch and it doesn't, it's not black and white and it's, no. it's absolutely based on humanity and how we interpret things and the laws have been written in a way to protect the people who write the laws because they know how to write the laws. So laws are protect are automatically protect white men in power. I'm just going to say it, but that's, you know, what, that's how they've been written to protect white men in power. So this whole thing to think that Oscar Mm -hmm. died in prison and Mm -hmm. it's just another human Mm -hmm. and his family, whose life was just crushed. Oh yeah. Well, his first wife divorced him after five years she had three kids and she had to get on with life. Um, yeah. then he married, he married again in prison. Um, and she was an ex nun. <clears throat> I honestly don't know how they met. I never asked. And so, um, his brother is the one, well, he had several brothers and a sister, but they were the ones that did most of the research, you know, and running around trying. And I remember, Okay, I I neglected to mention this. I went over one time to meet him when he was at San Luis Obispo Men's Colony. Mm -hmm. My husband and I went over and stayed in the parking lot in our little campmobile in, um, I think that was 1980. We were in Morro Bay, windstorm, I'll never forget it. But anyway, I had never been to a prison or a jail or anything else. And so this was quite an adventure. And, you know, you, you... sit and wait and then you you go in and you sit in this big gigantic room and I'm introducing myself and I I wanted to know if I could get all of his information 
you know, can I have all your paperwork? Can I contact your family and blah, blah, blah. And I wanted his permission before I started digging into anything. And I remember he said, do you, he said, I am, I can't interest myself in the Visalia ransacker. I have to concentrate on proving myself innocent. And so his whole focus, he never was interested in what I was doing other than he had to prove his innocence. And I said, well, if I can find the Visalia ransacker, then I can prove your innocence. And when Joe D'Angelo was arrested, the two attorneys that I have told you about that wrote that podcast or that do that podcast, we all went, ah, they've saw Oscar will be proven innocent now. I mean, we all just thought we were, you know, like, okay, well, it's obvious. He was a cop in Exeter. This is where Jennifer and Donna were found. Come on, come on. He's the Visalia ransacker. I've been screaming that into the wind for years, you know, but it didn't happen. So what I'm going to, toward the end, I mean, they, they're working on run right now. They just posted one, yes, uh, Saturday, I think it was. Several back, they do an interview with a guy named Gary Bardoni, who um, had, had an instance with, Joe D'Angelo right after Snelling's murder. And if you listen to it, uh, he was trying to separate the woman from Gary, you know, Gary's wife. That podcast will give you chills. And it was definitely Joe D'Angelo that he was working with. Um, so that is a podcast. I would start huh. there. I would start there and then go way back. <laughs> because it... <laughs> uh, it's, and there's there's one that they only they focus on how the laws have changed and if um, the court case back then was now it it couldn't have happened you know that exactly. well I mean yeah it'd be thrown uh, out isn't that I mean that's some of the frustration is that even mm -hmm. even with all the crimes that D'Angelo is charged with now right we're still trapped. We, the, the, it is enshrined in the mm -hmm. laws that existed in the 70s and 80s. Yeah. So right. it drives me crazy. Well, the other I, I thing mean, is, Beth yeah. Snelling was interviewed. I mean, not interviewed, hypnotized. Well, now, <laughs> if she was hypnotized, I don't think they'd be able to use she can't be a her, That's right. her as a witness. That's right. Well, that's you know, that's so if true. she in fact did see him, which she did, she was interviewed on TV, and she opened up the curtains and saw this man's face. Well, I don't believe that they would be able to use her testimony or her, you know, whatever it's called. <laughs> testimony, yeah, no, her identification. Yeah. That's right, because yeah, right, yeah, because she had been hypnotized. Okay, I want to just um, tell you a few more little things here. This has to do, I'm on to Peeper 1981. Yeah. If you go, okay. In 1981, we moved into this house in 79. My son had uh, a friend over and I was brushing my teeth and we've remodeled our house since then. But there were two windows and a medicine cabinet on a wall. And then um, I was brushing my teeth and I looked up and I had 
a man standing. I mean, I didn't have any curtains. His face was right there. I screamed bloody murder. You know how you try and scream and it comes out weird? Yeah. Okay. I remember trying to scream and I ran out real fast. My husband was already in bed. He jumped out of bed and we definitely, but back then there were peepers. I mean, I'm, I'm not naive enough to think, oh yes, it definitely had to be Joe D'Angelo, but it could have been because this was his neighborhood. And that was in 1980, maybe 81. And then we had, I told you, the two vehicles in 81 and 84. And then see where it says locating Garnita Hickman? Uh-huh. Okay. And then down below that telephone pole. Okay. One time I was a teacher and I had come home from work. At this time I was going to school. And I had come home and there was some man in a white pickup that had no emblems or anything on it. And he was up a telephone pole and he didn't have a uniform on or anything else like that. Well, then once again, I'm researching and I'm going through all of these reports and I see this name, Garnita Hickman. And uh, there's a police report where she worked at the blue chip stamp place and she was giving an instance of this man in 1974 and up till Claude Snelling, this man would come in with all of these books of blue chip stamps and the only thing he would ever buy was jewelry for his mom. And one time she remembers he was really angry because he was in a Volkswagen and he had bumped, you know, the cement divider thing out there and he came in oh, and yeah. he was gr- rambling around the store, you know, just cussing up a storm and I'm going to sue you guys and it's all your fault, you know, blah, 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 blah. So anyway, Garnita Hickman um, lived on the Farmersville Boulevard uh, right south of Avenue 264 where Oscar lived. Okay. So Garnita Hickman lived out in that neighborhood as well. And she's talking about this person and they were looking at this person. She drew a composite. So I mentioned this to a friend of mine and she goes, oh, she's my cousin. She's a a cousin through marriage. And I said, can you get a hold of her? Because she's not living out there anymore. Sure. So I get a hold of this Garnita Hickman and we, I, I set up to go over and meet with her at her home. She has since moved into town. And the day, we had talked several times on the phone. The day I went over to meet her, she was there. Her neighbor said, oh, no, she's there. I kept pounding on the door, pounding on the door. You know, it was the appointed hour that we were going to meet together. She never answered it. And so then... Um, How did I find, I think it was, no, I had talked to her before this and she said two men who were investigators had come by and found out that she had drawn a composite. And so they went back to the police station or she said, I don't know who they were. And then they brought a picture of a composite to her. Okay. So I don't know if, if that was a composite or not, but 
there were two investigators. Well, at that time, Jay Salazar, uh, who is Jason Salazar, who is our chief of police right now, his father and another man were our investigators and I had talked to them and it wasn't them. So we have no idea, number, okay, and here's what's so strange. I contacted her, these two men go over to her house saying that they are investigators, and this happened in another instance too, but anyway, they say that they are investigators, but they're not the two cold case investigators that I know, and the sheriff's department didn't have two cold case investigators, but how strange that someone found Garnita Hickman at the same time I found her, and we're talking 40 years later. You know, in the same week we both find her. I just thought that was strange, so I'm wondering if my phones did, were being did you, tapped. Did Either you ever phone. close the loop with her? Yeah. Well, I well, wrote her a letter. Phone. No, I never called her and never closed that loop, but I did write her a letter and never mailed it. I still have a copy of the letter. Um, my my friend said it could be her son told her not to get involved with you. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. I mean, you know, yeah, it, because I was crazy. Lady. If you get spooked, I mean, you get scared and we don't have anybody in custody. Right. And for people that don't know, you would take your blue chip stamps that you acquired as rewards yeah. for behaviors, um, yeah. buying things, you'd get stamps. You would yeah. take them to the catalog store and redeem them for goods. Yeah. And so th the fact that um, it's very interesting that this customer, who, by mm -hmm. the way, completely matches the yeah. MO of with that mm -hmm. rage and everything and the I, I'm going to get you, 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 because that's yeah. how we have other incidents of him doing that kind of behavior. Um, yep. It's really interesting. And, and I know, I know we're coming to the end. And what I think is interesting, because I've also talked with another person, you've done so much forensic research. I mean, that's yep. what this is, right? You go back and look at the data yep. and you study the evidence and you look at the newspaper articles. I have another friend who does a lot of forensic research. And I think um, there's a lot that, a lot is revealed in this kind of research and frankly it's women doing it and yes. I mean I know there are men doing it too there are men doing it too I mean we have whole books guys are doing it as well so that's not fair um, yeah. but I, I think it's interesting because this kind of research is so revealing yeah. and yeah you did put yourself at personal risk my other friend that does it absolutely doesn't want to be known I mean I call yeah. her deep throat because yeah. I don't because I know she doesn't want to be known I know who you're because talking about. You, yeah, and you are uncovering things mm -hmm. that are really important and really, really uh, make a difference to this. It may not make a difference in a conviction, but it right. starts to tell the truth of it what really happened. Story. It tells a story. Yeah. When I was editoring, editing, editoring, when I was editing Hunting a Psychopath by Richard Shelby, you know, who was the lead investigator of the East Area Rapist, yeah. that was in 2014. And I'm just going to run through these real quickly. In 2014, on my birthday, which who, how would anybody know when my birthday was other than on the pro board, you list your birthday. In 2014, um, I was working at my mom's house. I think I've told, I ran this past you, I think. Anyway, I was working at my mom's house and we had the tent it. We were getting ready to sell it. She was, she had died. We, um, I had 
my sister and I had pruned the rose bushes back because the tent had to go over. Uh, she has a, her home was built in 1935. So we were out there the day before, and on my birthday, I am taking the garbage can out, and I look into the rose bushes, and here where we had just been the day before pruning is a piece of cardboard, and right directly in the middle of this maybe four by five piece of old dilapidated cardboard is one blue chip stamp. It's being held on, it's being held on by Black Widow webs. That had been placed facing out in the driveway so that I could see it. Yeah, I took that down to Cummings, uh, our cold case investigator, you know, before D'Angelo. Anyway, I took it down to him. He had no idea the significance to the Visalia ransacker. He, he had no idea uh. why I was showing it to him. Okay, the next year is the year that um, Michelle McNamara came to Visalia and to mm -hmm. meet with me. And Paul Haynes had spent a couple of nights here in my trailer when he was doing research for Michelle. Well, Michelle came up and this other person that I would like you to talk to sometime, she goes by 222URIT on the pro board. She's not on there anymore. Okay. Anyway, we go out to lunch with Michelle and I think the next day was my birthday. It was right around my birthday time. I've never asked Paul to check and see if she had it on her calendar. But anyway, on my birthday, at my home, not my mom's, at my home here, and I live in Beverly Glen, where the sidewalk and the driveway meet, I have my hose, and I find a 1975 penny. I know it hadn't been there before simply because I used to hose off my cement before, you know, when we could use water. I would hose outside. I'm an outdoor person. I do a lot of yard work. That 1975 penny, I went in and emptied all my penny jars and everything to see, and I couldn't find another 1975 penny to save my life. And I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. That's the year that Claude Snelling was murdered. And this other person that I want to talk to, she had some strange things happening over at her house as well. And she is also a September 21st. And I've always wondered, because I can tell you, the person that you're talking about has two instances of September 21st. Um, so there are four September 21st instances. And I just found a Marjorie Smith, by the way, up in, Sac in um, Sa San Francisco, 1981. A Marjorie Smith was shot in the head in San Francisco. Another Marjorie Smith. Okay, so then another instance of what was left at my house on my front porch, and I've checked with all of my friends that think I'm strange, and none of them left it. There is a book called Serial Killers, The Method and Madness of Monsters by Peter Vronsky. And nobody left it. So I decided to read it. And on page 248, underlined in red, somebody had underlined, and it, I'll just read it. Malformed ears, curved fifth finger, larger than normal, gap between first and second toes, fine or electric wire hair that will not comb down, bulbous fingertips, and a speckled tongue with 
either smooth or rough spots. Okay, that was underlined in red under uh, biosocial interaction, the chapter on that. I have no idea who left this book on serial killers on my front porch. <laughs> and, and let's oh, and also, knew you had an affection for them, but well, okay. But, I, but it would be, you know, I have a small group of friends and none of them would do that and not admit it. I mean, they would say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I, I checked with everything. Our home, okay, in January, this other person that I want to, you to talk to sometime, in January of 2018, um, she called me and said, Margie, can I come over? I need to, to talk to you. And I said, yeah, come on over. She said um, she ran into a friend who worked at the Visalia Police Department. Not, he wasn't a cop. He said, you need, are you still friends with Marjorie? And she said, yeah. And he said, please tell her she's being monitored. Make sure she keeps her doors and her windows locked night and day, that she pulls her shades. She knows way too much. So this is what this person was telling me. Okay, that's in January of 2018. In February, we're up at the cabin. Someone broke into my house through a unlocked bedroom window which there's no possible way. I was going to say, yeah, yeah. We have an alarm system. And so whoever came through the back window went right back out, you know. And so there were footprints in my flower bed uh, and some dirt on the floor. But the alarm did go off. And my son, who lives very close to me, when he showed up here, he said, Mom, there were, cop, there were three cop cars at your house within five minutes. So I was being monitored, and that was February 10th of 2018. And then, of course, um, he was picked up. And I'm on that, up. yeah, yeah, he was arrested. Uh, I did send 17 pages of information on that second person of interest with the jewelry. I mailed it to four different agencies on. April 17th, 2018. And then right after, I think it was two oh weeks my God. after. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was two weeks after his arrest, there was a Sacramento newspaper article. Was there an accomplice? <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, you know, okay. So as we wrap things up for this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Session, I'll let you wrap it up. <laughs> that is, well, and that is the thing though, that we all wonder is, was there, is there, was there an accomplice? Yeah. How could he have been this prolific? How did he, a few of the things, the themes that I that I think are interesting because I'm by far not an expert on these crimes, but I've been able to yeah. get some of the themes. The themes are anniversaries are important to him. Like that's a thing for him. These anniversaries, he called several yeah. victims. Uh, uh, yeah, he's very into this. There's this meticulous paramilitary kind of weirdness, yeah. but this anniversaries, this idea of you know really. Um, terrorizing the family, tearing up pictures, taking these odd things so that you just are left feeling uneasy because it's not even like, oh, they came and took my gold. It was a mess head who wanted more mess. Like that's, you can kind of put that to bed in your mind, but no, these are intended to cause you to be like, what the hell? And there, yep. and, and he, and there's this sense of mystery and like, he likes these riddles. He's, yeah. He delights in these riddles. So while it sounds, I think some people might hear this and go, oh, my God, this woman's like nuts. This woman well, is bizarre. This, 
but there are other women mm-hmm. specifically there are some who have similar stories stories oh, where artifacts have been left behind stories yeah. where they found things because they've known more than most and yeah. they they've found things that they that didn't belong there or right. that are intended to keep you guys on edge so correct it, it doesn't seem that he it's interesting because at no point do can I find a time where he killed someone because I'm going to kill you because I don't like you. Like, that's right. not how it ever worked, which is so nope. interesting because all of you guys who knew a little more than you should have, he didn't come kill you. He terrorized no. you, but he didn't come no. kill you. He killed people like my dad who, like, just oh. in the commission of a crime. And clearly uh-huh. while well, he was, clearly while well, he's decompensating, right? He kills Snelling while he's being compensating. That's he did. It wasn't yep. going his way. Same with the Maggiore's. Yep. Same with down south. It's not going his way. Right. He's starting to lose it. Yeah. But, but but just when you start to think people might sound crazy, y'all gotta mm-hmm. be aware how well this man knew his area, that mm-hmm. he was a cop, and that this was the game. This was the game. It was to make people feel like they're losing their minds. Well, and to make people feel stupid. You know, I I think he wanted to show people that he was smarter than the cops, for sure. You know, he I was absolutely. smarter than any of us. He's getting away with it. He even, and I can tell you, well, the prosecution has not been specific, giving us right. specific examples. They, re- they remind us regularly mm-hmm. how manipulative this man is, how incredibly yeah. his lust for power and control is his only motivation, mm-hmm. only motivation. So yep. it's funny that he comes in storming into a blue chip stamp store, bitching yeah. about the parking thing that's there. Hey, dumbass, right. you yeah. it, it, it didn't jump fault. in front of you. Yeah. yeah, it didn't jump in front of you. It doesn't move, but that's not how he sees it. Nope, nope, right. somebody's trying to get him because otherwise, you know, he's got this, he's in control. He wouldn't make a mistake. Right. Although he did repeatedly Although. by leaving his DNA everywhere, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and that's the sad part is that none of us have finite proof. You know, we don't have anything that they could test for DNA, you know, and even if I they know, did, I tell you, I know, you know, even if, if that stamp that was left at my mom's, even if that had his spit on the back of it, so what, you know, right. okay. So what? It would just show that he so was what? a bisexual which we already know. <laughs> Which, yeah, we do know. We do. Yeah, know. they don't need to prove it. They know. So, Margie, yeah, I, this was so yeah. good. This is going to get people talking and thinking. And I am going to try to line up the other guests, the one you're referring to. And yeah. um, I think this is worth folks hearing. What's what I hear a lot of. I think it's yeah. really worth people hearing because you realize this is even more than you think. This is uh-huh. more diabolical than you think. This is more twisted than you think. It is. So I, I, I thank you so much for your time today. <laughs> this well, is thank fantastic. You. Venture Highway.